How do we know who's our guru? So there's, there's theory and there's practice. And I'd like to give you both. Because the theory is general and applies to everyone. The practice, of course, is very specific. The theory, as Pooja Swamiji always says, is you become the perfect disciple. The guru will come. You don't have to go out in search of the perfect guru. What you have to be is become the ready, empty disciple. And then whether the guru comes in form, whether the guru comes in form but a form that no longer exists, so one of the masters who has left his body, but whose spirit and presence and truth are still here. As I said before, I know many people who have been called to be disciples of masters who have left their bodies. Or whether it's the awakening of an inner wisdom, a guru that speaks to you from within your own voice. We have to become the first disciple. The problem really tends to be these days, particularly with, as you said, so many gurus, is that we go guru shopping. And so we, we want something in our life. Let's say, at the moment, I, I'm, I'm jobless. I want a really good job. I come to a holy place. I come to a guru. I bow at his feet. I give a little dakshana. He maybe gives me a mantra or maybe just gives me a blessing. And I go back and I get the job. So in my mind, right, it's, it's this guru. He's, he's perfect. He's given me this job. As though the gurus were somehow vending machines that just, you know, you went to them and you did your bowing and you did your dakshana and you, and you would get whatever you wanted. So I, I associate, I got this job with that guru. I'm devoted. Two years later, I'm ready to move on. Now I want something higher. I go back to the guru. I bow at his feet. I do my pranam. Maybe I give dakshina again. Maybe whatever it is. But I don't get the new job. And in fact, I get fired from the job I had. And so now I decide, well, he's definitely not the right guru for me. And so then I go out in search of another guru. And this is, this is how our lives go. Or maybe I'm somebody with a really bad temper. I get angry a lot. I beat my wife, I beat my children. My wife drags me to a spiritual place. We come in front of a guru who looks at me and says, you are divine. You are complete, you are perfect. I say, aha, he's my guru, see, I don't need to change. Did you hear him? Didn't you hear what he just said? And then, a few days, a few weeks, a few months, a few years later, 
I'm sitting in front of the Guru and he says, the core of who you are is perfect and complete and pure and divine. But you've really got some work to do with that anger. And then we decide, oh, he's not my Guru anymore. See, he no longer can see. So the very first step is that we actually have to become a ready disciple. We tend to look for a guru who makes us feel good as we are, but who's going to give us maybe a 10 or 15 minute a day package to give us sort of a stamp of approval of thou art a spiritual person. So. He'll give me a mantra, he'll give me a mala, stay just as you are, but just add this 10 or 15 minutes a day, practice. Well, the real masters are going to work on us. I always say that, you know, the relationship frequently between a guru and a, a disciple reminds me of the relationship between a potter and a lump of clay. That lump of clay is perfect. It's got all the potential. It's not that the potter is somehow alchemically changing the molecules of clay. But what does he do? He sticks it on a wheel. It spins around until, oh my God, that lump of clay must be so dizzy. And every turn, what does he do? He beats it. And he keeps hitting it until it becomes something. Something that's more beneficial to the world than a lump of clay. A bowl, a cup, a vase. And then if you're lucky, he paints it and then sticks it in a firing kiln so that there's beauty as a bonus. But beauty that comes through being burned. That's what a guru does. And so, if what our goal is, is to just find someone who's going to say, you are so perfect as a lump of clay, but take these 10 minutes a day and just do this, then we're going to guru shop. You'll find someone, I guarantee you will. But then when you're at a tough place in your life, when you're really looking within, when you start to think, well, maybe this lump of clay could have been done, become something more, you're going to go somewhere else. So in order to find the quote-unquote perfect guru, we have to first be really a ready disciple. So that's, that's the theory. And then just very quickly in practice, there's no cookie-cutter approach. There's no way that I can say to you, well, here are the traits of a perfect guru. He or she is going to say this, look like that, wear this, chant like that. There's no, there's no cookie-cutterness to it. They come in all shapes, all sizes, all colors. The only thing I can tell you in practice, practical advice, 
is that the more someone tries to convince you they're a guru, the faster I would run in the opposite direction. The real enlightened masters are doing what they're doing only out of grace and only out of their love for humanity. They've come down onto this earth out of grace. They've come out of the forest out of grace. They've stood up from their morning meditation and walked outside to meet people out of grace. The last thing they're trying to do is accumulate more and more disciples. And so the more someone tries to convince you that they are your guru, the more someone compares themselves to others, I am better than this one, or puts down others, the faster I'd run in the other direction. And in the presence of the guru, you know it. It's as Pooja Swamiji was saying last night, kuch kuch hotai. <laughs> you feel it. It's like if you said, well, how do I know when I'm in love? If you're asking the question, you're not. When you really fall in love, no one says, well, I think I'm in love, but I'm not sure. When you're with the Guru, you know it. Unless, lastly, your ego is so strong that as we were speaking about on the banks of Ganga, it eclipses. And the light is there, but you're unable to see it or reflect it because the ego forms this barrier at which point it just means we have more work to do. How do we find our guru within ourselves? For those who are not fortunate enough, as he was saying, he lives in Brazil, to be in a place like this, in the presence of the enlightened masters, how do I find the guru in myself? Well, the first piece of that is that the light of the guru can find you wherever you are. There are people who have gurus who have passed away, who were in a body but have now passed away but who maybe didn't even know the Guru when the Guru was in a body and have become disciples of the Guru since the Guru left his body or her body. So the light of the Guru actually isn't bound by these laws of time and space like we are. If I wanted to learn how to do Indian classical dance for I'd really have to find someone who could actually physically teach me how to do Indian <coughs> classical dance. And that person would have to be ideally alive. 
standing with me, turning on the music, taking my legs and showing me left foot, right foot. But the, the light of a guru is such that it doesn't actually have to be in your physical presence. So don't feel like living in Brazil means that you don't have the possibility of connecting with the guru, not just within, we'll come back to the guru within, but you also have the possibility of connecting with a guru in form. Of course, both of which are just reflections of the same truth. It just very frequently is a lot easier to see it, to hear it, not to ignore it, not to misinterpret it or misunderstand it or rationalize it in the way that feels good to us when the guru is actually physically present. So don't, don't assume that you won't have that possibility. Second piece of that before we get to the guru within is don't assume that you might not find a guru living down your street in Brazil. The, the divine comes to different people in different ways, and that guru might not wear orange robes, might not chant in Sanskrit, might not refer to the divine in the names of Krishna or Ram or Shiva or Durga or Ganga could be the man selling apples on your corner or the woman selling apples on your corner. So those two pieces I wanted to give you first before we talk about the Buddha within. But then of course, even, even when you have a Guru in form, or if you don't, that light is always within. What the guru does is shine the light within us. Just illuminating that which is already there. It's not like the guru takes a syringe of, you know, truth serum and injects us with it. And now suddenly the truth is there. What the guru does is brings the light, it's like what we were speaking about last night, brings the light to remove the darkness within us. But of course, the guru doesn't necessarily have to be in an outside physical form as well. It's just a lot easier. When we are turning to that inner guru, that inner wisdom, unless we have a very strong spiritual path, typically what tends to happen is we tend to rationalize our own desires, our own ego. My, my inner guru has said that I should do this or I should do that, whereas really that's the inner voice called desire or fear. So if you're going to search for the inner guru, the first thing we need to have is absolute clarity. 
absolute, relentless, fearless, egoless clarity. Because the minute that we realize how much stronger and louder the voice of our desire is, and how much louder the voice of our ego is, it's sort of embarrassing, actually. Especially for those of us on the spiritual path. So relentless and fearless to look within. And then to create space for it. It's not that the guru is sitting within like a little person inside ourselves. Rather, what happens actually is that when we create space within ourselves, when we let go of that which isn't the inner light, so our ignorance, our illusions, our attachments, our anger, our identifications, our expectations, our jealousies, all of these things that really kind of fill us up inside, suffocating us, if we can remove some of those, and I mean literally just breathe them out in meditation, that's all it takes. If we can let them go, then what happens is space is created within us. And into that space flows grace. Grace is always there. It's not, you know, Pooja Swamiji always says, the sun is always shining. It's not that we have to do sun salutations and sun mantras and sun prayers to create the sun. What we have to do is remove the obstacles that keep us from seeing it. So whether it's a dirty window, whether it's the curtains. And grace always is there and available. If you feel like you're not able to access the grace, the question becomes not, how do I bring grace? But how do I make some space within me for the grace to flow? One of my very favorite stories is a, a story of this man who decides he's ready for enlightenment. And he's done a lot of spiritual practice and work and sadhana. And he asks around to everyone, where's the most enlightened guru who can give me enlightenment? I'm ready for that touch of enlightenment. And everyone sends him to this one guru on the mountaintop. So he walks for weeks and he climbs the mountain and walks into the cave. And the guru is meditating, and he, he bows at the guru's feet, and he says, I've come for enlightenment. This is what I've done. This is what I've learned. This is what I've achieved. These are my obstacles. These are my challenges. And now from you, I need, I need enlightenment. And the guru says, have a cup of tea. And the man says, tea? I didn't come for tea. I came for enlightenment. And the guru says, have a cup of tea. 
And he goes into the back of the cave and he brews some tea and he comes back with the pot and the teacups. And he starts to pour the tea into the teacup. And he's pouring and he's pouring and he's pouring and the cup is filling and he keeps pouring. And now the tea is spilling out over the top of the cup. And the man says, stop, stop, what are you doing? Are you crazy? There's no more room here. And the guru says, you are just like this cup. You're so full already of what you think you know, who you think you are, what you think you need, that there's no room for me to give you anything. Just like I can't pour any more tea until you empty this cup. In the same way, I can't give you anything until you empty yourself. So whether the Guru is outside or inside, first we empty ourselves. And then into it flows, flows that grace. Whether the presence of a Guru in form, whether the awakening of the vessel of grace within, either way, they're just reflections of the same. 